we are dependent upon you as our source and sustainer of life. And this morning, we ask that you would speak words of hope and strength and life through your spirit into our hearts. And all God's people said, amen. Well, welcome to worship here at Maranatha this morning on this snowy morning. We're glad that you have uh, come here safely. And before we continue with the rest of our service, please take a few minutes to greet each other in the name of Christ. I'd like to welcome any of you who are visiting this morning or who are new here at Maranatha. We're really glad that you're with us and um, welcome you to, to join for the fellowship hour um, in the fellowship hall there for coffee and donuts after the service. We have uh, several announcements uh, for all of us this morning. Uh, tomorrow marks the beginning of the Operation Christmas Child National Collection Week when, <laughs> that's right, when, when you'll have opportunity to bring the shoeboxes that you may have packed um, to the ministry center over there. And um, the collection times will vary each day. Um, you can see a list there on the screen, and that's also available on our website. And we also wanted to update you and celebrate the 685 boxes that were packed at the packing party. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, with the extra donations that were received, um, they'll be packing an additional 75 boxes in honor of Esther Swan's 91st birthday coming up. So, yeah. uh, Secondly, uh, last month the moms group had a great mix of young moms and seasoned moms and they invite uh, moms of all ages to, to join this Thursday from 6.30 to 8 in the Fellowship Hall um, as they hear uh, Nancy Peterson speak on how to be still. Great message that we all need to hear. And lastly, uh, Christmas wreaths are now available. If you uh, bought a wreath from a student, um, the student should be delivering it to you soon. Uh, but if you brought, bought one from the ministry in general, um, please find Pastor Tony or Michelle or a youth leader in the lobby after service, um, and they'll give you instructions for how you can pick that up. And this morning, we have the uh, privilege of participating in a, a parent dedication as uh, Kevin and Hallie Freitag uh, dedicate themselves to, to raising their daughter, Carol, and I'd like to invite Pastor Aaron up for that. If Carol Freitag could bring her parents to the stage, that would be appreciated. Carol is one of my best friends. We do a Bible study every Monday night, her and Kevin and I do, and it's been a great joy for us. Um, the Freitags, the first, the day we moved into our house, actually invited us to be a part of their small group. Um, so 
Uh, they are great friends of ours, and this is a great chance um, for us as a church family uh, to help Kevin and Hallie in uh, parenting Carol. Uh, at Maranatha, we believe that the family is a divine institution that has been ordained by God since the beginning of time. And children are a heritage from the Lord, committed by him to their parents for care, provision, protection, and spiritual training. It is so good when parents recognize these obligations and responsibilities and make every effort to fully carry them out. In this act of dedication, Kevin and Hallie acknowledge these responsibilities and come before us today to dedicate themselves and Carol to God for his will for their lives as a family. Here at Maranatha, we believe uh, in dedication of children rather than baptizing them, just as Hannah dedicated Samuel to the Lord and Mary and Joseph dedicated the baby Jesus to the Lord, according to the Jewish custom. We believe dedication more closely follows a biblical pattern than baptism. And Kevin has a scripture that he would like to share with us uh, for Carol. Um, yeah, thanks, Pastor Aaron. Um, Carol is a manifestation of great hope for Hallie and I. Um, so I thought it would be appropriate to read, um, Romans chapter 15, verse 13, um, which says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's our prayer for Carol. And Carol is actually not her first name. She is, what number is she? She's no, Hallie the Seventh. Seven Hallies in a row. Good job, Carol. Uh, Kevin and Hallie, uh, it's your public acknowledgement that Carol is a gift from God and that you have a spiritual responsibility for the Christian nurturing and training of her. Before us today, we would like to publicly dedicate Carol before the Lord, and I have a series of questions that I'm going to ask you. And please affirm your desires by answering each of them with, we will. Do you commit before God and the body of Christ to train Carol in the ways of the Lord? Will you accept, will you accept the God-given responsibility to raise Carol in a Christ-centered home? Do you promise to love Carol unconditionally as the Lord loves you and to involve her in fellowship with this body of believers? Amen. Now, Maranatha, I have a series of questions I'm going to ask you, and if you would respond with, we will. Maranatha, do you commit to supporting Kevin and Hallie in the spiritual training of Carol? We will. Amen. Will you come beside them and encourage them in their role as parents, and will you help them in every way possible to see that Carol knows the love of Christ? We will. Amen. And now I'm going to invite Pastor Cody uh, to pray over you guys in this act of dedication. What an exciting time. And again, this is something that we, as Maranatha, are, are very serious about, that parents dedicate, we dedicate our children to the Lord. And we as a church, as you just responded, we want to be a part of helping not just Carol, but also the parents and just in all that we do. So we are so grateful for this time. So let's take a moment and pray together. Join me in prayer. Father God, I just 
pray for Carol right now that she would someday come to see the beauty of your love found in Jesus Christ. And we are so grateful for parents that are willing to say, yes, Lord, we want to train up our child in the way of the Lord. And we just pray a blessing over them. I pray that during the hard times, they would lean on you, Lord Jesus. And during the easy times, they would still lean on you. And we as a church also pray that you would allow us to find different ways to encourage them as they are dedicating Carol to you, Lord Jesus. This we pray in your mighty holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And we have family members here too, is that correct? Would you mind standing? I know you got to stand. All right, grandparents, thanks for being here with us. All right, thank you. All right, well, this is a great day to be together. You made it. We're used to snow. Don't want to be used to I don't know where you're at, but I'm a little excited myself. A few days ago was Veterans Day. And I want to take a moment. If you served in the military, whether combat or just put your four years in, if you served, would you stand, please? And we have a variety of people who've served at different times in different branches of service. Look around us. Thank you to all of you. So we want to thank you. Thank you for your service. Today is also a special day for me personally because we have friends here. I was kind of mapping through my brain here. Maybe it's been 18 years. I've known the Robertsons. I think it's about 18 years again. Back in the past, we... My wife and I, we served at Arrowhead Bible Camp, which is 35 minutes away. And while we served there doing ministry, we were congregants. We always sat over there. That used to be the cry room over there. You know, we had a variety of places we sat here. And we got to know them as friends. And, in fact, I was trying to find a picture. I couldn't find it. Maybe I'll find it during our break here. There was a time when they came to Arrowhead and, and served with us. And we went to Bolivia together. And, and that was just an amazing time together. And I think it's, it was about four or five years ago, a few of us, four of us from Maranatha came to Chad, Africa. I think we got some pictures there possibly of us visiting. And, and it was just, just a beautiful time to see the ministry that they do and what, what they do there. And so for me, it's exciting to have friends who are part of our church. And many of you know them if you've been around here for a while. Know the ministry that they have been to us and we get to serve them in a variety of ways. And one of the most powerful ways we serve them is through prayer. Remember last week's sermon. Prayer is a powerful aspect of what we are about here at Maranatha. So, I don't know who's coming up first, but maybe Carrie's coming up first. Come on up. Let's give a hand to our dear friends the Robertsons. What language were you translating for me? I don't even know. I, I was reading the Bible. French, okay. Merci beaucoup. Thank you. All right, so I am going to be sharing a little bit um, about our ministry before Andy comes up to um, speak to you from the, the Word. So I think, there, yes, that's it. Perfect. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, my name is Carrie Robertson. Um, I may not look as familiar in this outfit, but it really is me under here. And we have a picture of our family before we left for Chad, and then a modern day one. So you can see um, nothing's changed, right, <laughs> since then. Okay, next. 
Uh, just a picture of Drew and Tony. Uh, Drew was born here in Rice Lake. Uh, he was our first miracle baby. Tony was adopted while we were in North Carolina. He's our second miracle baby. And now they are really growing up and we're very proud of them. So one of the big things that took place this last term is we changed our location. We stayed in Chad, but we moved from Bebelum to the capital of Jemena. Um, this had to do with some conflict that's in the church. It's still there. We're still praying about it. But in the meantime, we felt a need to continue doing ministry, and we were able to do that in Jemena. And you can see a picture of where Chad is located in Africa, and then you can see the arrow that is the capital city of Jemena. I am part of Christian Education. We created a Christian Education team. Andy and I are the team leaders for that. And because I am a teacher, um, it's mostly myself and my colleague who do, do the work there. Uh, you can see a picture of her next to me in the lower right. And we do have another teammate. Um, and we are working in Christian schools, 650 Christian schools in Chad. Next. Yeah, so, um, and we'll, we'll be able to talk a little bit more about what that means and what that looks like after the service. So if you have more questions, please feel free to stop by the table. Uh, so for me, I got to start teaching at a teacher's college. So I am teaching Christian teachers in Chad so that they can do a great job in their schools. Um, I'm also mentoring teachers. So sometimes teachers end up in the schools and they're not quite sure how they got there. They weren't trained to be teachers. So we can come alongside and encourage and help them to become better. And I also am involved in Christian trainings, um, training a Bible curriculum, how to teach the Bible in the Christian schools, especially in non-Christian contexts, and also um, a discipleship program by YWAM, which is helping Christian teachers just to grow in their faith and as disciples of Christ. Andy's doing health work still, um, obviously, as a pediatrician. He is working at a hospital called Guinea Bore II Hospital. It is uh, with a team of expatriates and Chadians all working together. He is not the only doctor like he was in the village, so he does have some other colleagues and some Chadian colleagues, which has been a real encouragement to him. And then you can see a few pictures if you're interested at what these are. You can talk to him after. We don't have a lot of time to go into medical stories, but he has some um, that are really hard stories and yet some really encouraging ones too. And just to say in the upper right-hand corner, that is one of our positive stories because the graph shows that the, the child is actually making progress and gaining weight. So that's a success story. <laughs> He also gets to do some teaching and mentoring of the staff. Uh, you can see a picture of him teaching all the people who are at the hospital um, different topics, trying to improve their knowledge and their awareness of what they're doing. Because we're in Amsenena now, which is a part of Jemena, um, uh, we have a new opportunity, and that has to do with church planting. Uh, our neighborhood is an unreached people group. They are Chadian Arabs. Um, they are Muslim background, so we get a chance to be friends and neighbors and a part of this church plant. Um, in the picture on the left, you'll see um, three people excited because they're looking at the Chadian Arabic Bible that was just printed this past year. So that has been very exciting for them to see scripture in a language that they read and understand, and we're excited to see how that's going to help um, grow the church in this area. What's next? Um, so we are planning on going back. 
Right now we are visiting churches just to share a little bit about the work and what we're doing. Um, I'm homeschooling Tony so that he can return to his school in January in Chad. Um, our son Drew is in university in Ohio and we're spending as much time with him as we can. He's not here with us this weekend, but we will get to see him for Thanksgiving. And we are also continuing leadership training. Back to Chad in 2022, that is the plan right now. Um, we are going to be studying Chadi and Arabic. We have a lot of work to do still on that language. Um, we also are going to be continuing in our respective areas of ministry, myself with Christian education and Andy with medical ministry. He is trying to think through what that might mean for this next term and if there should be some changes in that. Um, Tony is going to finish eighth grade and then his plan is to go off to RVA. Um, or at least a boarding school. We're still talking about what that might look like. He just knows he doesn't want to do homeschooling for high school, and I don't blame him. Um, and we'll also be looking for a new house. We found out two weeks before we came back here that the house we had been renting was going to be rented to someone else. So we need to figure out where we're going to live when we go back. We do have a table with resources out in the um, fellowship, or not fellowship hall, your atrium. Please feel free to stop by if you have more questions, if you want to get some information from us. Um, we're so happy to, to see all of you and to catch up a little bit. Uh, we'll be there during the services and then again after the second service. And then finally, big thank you. Obviously, we couldn't do what we do if you didn't support and encourage us. Um, Financial support, prayer support, it really does make a difference. Andy's going to come up, and he's going to share a story out of Chad, and I think by the end you'll understand why it's so important to be praying for Christians in Chad. Um, I really rushed through that, partly because I want to give Andy a chance to, to share his story, and also because I know that we're going to be available. So if you have more questions or if you want to hear more stories, please stop by our table. Thank you. Oh, good morning, church. Uh, I greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I bring with me the greetings from our church in Chad. Uh, it's very important to extend the greetings, so our pastor, Moise Bao, and the elders at our church, um, Pastor uh, Ishmael, uh, we greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, Vous êtes salué en nom de Jésus-Christ. Um, the scripture I would like to start with comes from Matthew 10. So if we could turn. Oh, wow. So things have changed um, since we started. I, my eyes have gotten worse. So let's read toge together in Matthew 10. So now I can't see you. And when I can see you, I can't see the word. Uh, I don't know the page in your pew Bibles. <laughs> Matthew 10, starting in verse 5. We're going to jump around a little bit because it's a long passage. But what I wanted to speak about today, um, well, anyway, let's read together. Matthew chapter 10, starting at verse 5. And I'm reading out of the New Revised Standard Version. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go, rather, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
as you go, proclaim the good news, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. And then jumping down to verse 16. See, I'm sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me, as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you at that time. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And then verse 26. So, have no fear of them. For nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid, you are more of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Uh, This is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, uh, please be with us this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. Amen. Do you, do you have the photo? So just in, yeah, just in case, Carrie already showed some photos, but um, we were here from 2000 to 2006. Maranatha was our church home. Um, I'm a pediatrician. I worked for the Marshfield Clinic. Carrie was teaching. Oh, Carrie, remind me. You were teaching Birchwood. Yes, Carrie was teaching up at Birchwood. Drew was born here at the hospital. We spent great years here, as Cody mentioned. Um, we loved Arrowhead Bible Camp. We worked with the youth program. Uh, we loved working with the youth program. Um, we loved our time at Arrowhead, meeting Tony, going to Bolivia. Uh, I spent a summer there as the camp nurse. Thank you very much. That was awesome. And it's a joy for us to be back. We have changed a little bit, yes? Okay, go ahead. So uh, I wanted to dig into this passage. So sometimes I have this argu- running argument with Tony. Um, Tony, do you, do, you, do you know what a, a rotary phone is? Does anybody have a rotary phone still at their house? 
Anybody? Our, when we were first married, I grabbed the rotary phone from my grandmother's house, and we used that. Rotary phones. I'm like, Tony, do you, do you know what a rotary... Dad. Or uh, record players. Anybody still have a record player at your house? So I'll try to explain this to Tony, and he'll say, Dad, you're so old. You're a dinosaur. Did you know that dinosaurs, did dinosaurs ever chase you? Um, yeah, Tony, great. You're, you're very humorous. So I was thinking about that because sometimes you read stuff in the Bible and it feels so old. This was 2,000 years ago. It feels so back then. It doesn't make sense today. It doesn't apply to us today. And sometimes I struggle with the passage. And then sometimes a passage just leaps off the page and strikes me in the face. Wow. So I was reading this. I've read this passage before. You probably have too. Uh, or if you haven't, great. Let's dig into it for the first time. This passage struck me so hard this year. So I wanted to share that a little bit with you. Um, and it, it's like trying to explain. It, it, was, it was like the rotary phone for Tony. So hopefully this passage will become more familiar to us this morning and will take on a new meaning for us this morning. Um, and if you've already experienced persecution, um, hopefully we're going to look for hope and, um, and promise in the passage this morning. I've been reading, I wanted to do a book plug too. Cody, do you still, do you still wear that shirt? This, this shirt is banned and so many countries. If you have a book list of books that you want to read, um, I suggest, I recommend this book, putting it on your book list, The Insanity of God. So this is the same idea. It's written by a man who worked in Somalia and watched persecution, and it um, overwhelmed him. They left the field, but then he started researching the persecuted church and was encouraged by what he found and wrote a book. And it is powerful, and you might think, oh, this is like the rotary phone of the record player. This doesn't apply anymore. But this book um, has really been a good challenge for me as well. And I'm hopefully going to put these things together as we go through the passage. Um, so that's a good book. The Insanity of God by Nick Ripkin. I want to look at three questions. What instructions are there in this passage for us? Jesus gave his disciples. Do they apply to us? What did Jesus say would happen to those who follow these instructions? And what does Jesus say should be our response to what happens? So what are the instructions? What are the consequences? And what, is, what should be our response? So, three parts to my sermon. Part one. Carrie mentioned I'm working at this hospital in Guinea-Bore. The founders of the hospital, it's a mission. They have a heart for unreached people groups. And Chad has, they estimate, around 140 different people groups. 140 different languages. 70 of those, they estimate, have heard of the gospel, have heard about Jesus. But there's another 70 people groups that do not have a living, reproducing church. Some of them have heard the gospel, they've heard about Jesus, but some of them haven't. The heart of the founders was to put a hospital in an area where they could also then share Jesus. 
the area is predominantly Muslim, and the leaders of the hospital worked very hard to establish a good relationship with the Muslim leaders of the surrounding villages. They know that we're Christians. They know that we share Jesus. They accept the fact that we share Jesus because we're also delivering good health care. Um, but it's very difficult to change religion and become a Christian in that context. Um, uh, accepting Jesus is very dishonorable. So that's kind of the context of, of where we are in this hospital. And um, one day, I'm standing outside the men's ward on our little sidewalk, and a guy walks out. We're going to call him Al. He walks out, he comes up to me, and he says, Just, je vous suive Jésus-Christ. I want to follow Jesus. And my French isn't great. My Arabic is worse. And I thought, what? What did you just say? What did you just say? Uh, I want to follow Jesus. So I turned to Isabel, the nurse that was with me. I said, Isabel, you, you got to help me. I think he just said he wants to follow Jesus. So there was this flurry of conversation. French, Arabic, a little bit of a, a blend of the two. And then she turns to me and she says, yeah, uh, I think he's sincere. He wants to follow Jesus. I'm like, okay, so come with me. And we walk down the, the walkway towards the offices of our friends, Miliona and Bizune. They're Ethiopian pastors. Um, pray for Ethiopia. They're in the middle of terrible conflict right now. Uh, Million and Bizune are much better at the language than I am. I said, Million, you got to meet this guy. He says he wants to follow Jesus. Million introduces himself. They start talking. Million spends the next several weeks discipling Million and Bizune together. Disciple Al. This is a pretty cool story up to this point. I'm excited about this story. Million and Bizune are excited about this story. So this is part one, the exciting part of the story. And I think this ties into our passage, um, Jesus' instructions, verses 5 through 10. Go, proclaim, cure the sick, heal the lepers. So um, lepers, the term leper there is a general term for skin diseases. And this week, I got a call from the other doctor at the hospital who said, Andy, look at this picture. Uh, he showed me a picture of this guy. Um, he had this wound on his, on his, there were a couple wounds on his arm. At the end of the story, it's anthrax. So we're still seeing uh, skin anthrax in Chad. The guy was a drummer. He was beating on a drum that had been covered with sheepskin. And there were several drums, and several of the people got anthrax. So, um, yeah, uh, cure the sick, cleanse the lepers. Uh, they give him medicine, and he got better. Cast out demons. I think, at this point, that's what we're trying to do at the hospital. We're going, we're proclaiming, we're curing and, and cleansing, um, casting out demons. Um, pastors uh, pray for people with demons. Um, give, stay, greet. Do these instructions still apply to us today? I think you could make the argument, yes. Jesus, in other passages, also says go, uh, preach, uh, baptize. So, Go, and, and we're going. And Al, this story about Al is the result. So now we enter part two. One day, Million tells us, tells me, tells us, that 
Al has stopped contacting him. He's lost contact with Al. He's not answering his phone. He seems actually to have disappeared. We worry. We begin to pray. After many weeks, we find out he's been thrown in prison. His family discovered his Bible. They confronted him. When he said, yes, I, I, want to, I follow Jesus, they had him arrested and put in prison. Million and some others were able to visit him, and Al said, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm actually, I was actually prepared for this. This is great. I had a dream. Many Muslims have dreams. I had a dream, and in this dream, there was a man in white and two men. And Milion and Bizunay, you were there. You were the two men, and you were with this man in white. And the man in white said, don't worry, these men will help you. And then in the dream, the men disappeared, and all he sees is the man in white. And he says, even if these men leave you, I will always be with you. And he said, that, that guy was Jesus, so I'm okay. Jesus told me this would happen. Are you, are you following me? This is so amazing to me. Jesus told me this would happen, that I would be arrested, you guys wouldn't be able to visit me, and I'm still okay. I'm here in the, in the prison, I can read my Bible, I can talk to pe people about Jesus. I have joy. The family had found about his faith, they had locked him in a room for three days, they hadn't fed him, his grandmother was slipping him secretly some food under the door. They took everything, they took his Bible, they took his phone, which is why they couldn't contact him. They said, stop being a Christian. He refused. They put him in jail. And yet he still had joy. Now, this is a turn in the story. I don't think at this point in America, this is a very typical story. It may come, but at this point, it doesn't seem like a very typical story. I grew up with a theology of comfort. I grew up with a family that loved me, that cared about me. My dad was a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor. Becoming a Christian was a good thing. Going to church was a good thing. Uh, I thought every family was like mine. We, we celebrated Easter, we celebrated Christmas, and it was great. I had a theology of comfort. So these stories shock me, and they challenge us about our theology of suffering. But does the Bible say when you become a Christian, everything will be awesome? I don't find that in here. Actually, there, Jesus says other things. So this is part two. What is going to happen to, the, to Jesus' disciples when they go, proclaim, cleanse, and, um, and cure? Verse 16, see, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them. They will arrest you. They will flog you. They will hand you over. Verse 21, brother will betray brother to death. A father his child. Children will rise against parents. And have them put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. What did Jesus say would happen? He says he's sending them out as sheep among wolves. So what does Jesus not say? He does not say to the sheep, behave like wolves. Okay? This is very important. We are the sheep. I just want to be a sheep, ba 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 ba. Anybody sing, sing that song? Yeah, right? I, he doesn't say, I just want to be a wolf. I'm sending you out like sheep. The sheep need to remain sheep. And he never, Jesus never says, when the sheep go to the wolf, the wolf says, yeah, all right, I'm going to change. I'm going to be a sheep today. Wolves are wolves. 
He never, Jesus never suggests that wolves will change and behave like sheep. When sheep act like sheep and wolves act like wolves, the inevitable result is persecution. So I had to change my theology of comfort to be more of a theology of suffering. Does this stuff still happen? It does. So if you read this book, you might think, that's insane, which is why I called it the insanity of God. And it was a sh- it's a shock. Chad it was a shock to me. This stuff happens. And I'm changing my theology to understand persecution. Should we be sharing with Al? If we know what's going to happen to Al, should we be sharing with Al? If Jesus said this would happen, and if it's still happening today, should we be trying to avoid persecution? Nick challenges us in this book. According to Scripture, persecution is normal. Believers who live in contexts where persecution is rare find this truth um, startling and unsettling. But if this was true in New Testament times, it's also true today. Persecution happens because people give their lives to Jesus. This is the primary cause of persecution. Not Andy or Isabel sharing, or Million sharing, but someone who has chosen to give their life to Jesus is the primary cause of persecution. It's a byproduct of faith. Believers who respond faithfully to Jesus' call, who go and make disciples, will precipitate persecution, suffering, and martyrdom. Not that these results are desired, not that they're sought intentionally, but that is the result of people choosing to follow Jesus. So, our, and, and Nick encourages us, our focus should not be on the persecutors or the persecution, but rather keep our focus on Jesus. So the story doesn't end. Al, after months, is released from prison. There's joy. Miliona and Bizunet continue to work with him. Then he disappears again. We continue to pray. We think maybe this time he's been killed. And after that, months after that, he reappears again. His family, very frustrated with him, now took him far away from the village, from the city to a village, and put him in a school of their religion's instruction. And they tried to force him to learn this religion. He was bound, he was confined, sometimes he was beaten. Eventually he escaped, he walked back to the capital. He arrived back in the capital right around July as we were preparing to leave. One day he shows up at our Wednesday Bible study. He shares a story. He, we often will sing songs. Somebody say, hey, does anybody have a song they want to sing? Al says, I want to sing Jusqu'au bout. Jusqu'au bout. Je veux te suivre. So if you know French, just until the end, I want to follow you. Jusqu'au bout, je veux te suivre, dans les bons, les mauvais jours. À toi pour mourir et vivre, à toi, Jésus, pour toujours. Just until the end, I want to follow you, in the, in the good and in the bad days, to you, with you, dying and living, to you, Jesus, always, with you, Jesus, always. And I am blown away, after all he's been through, after all the persecution, threats, beatings, he has joy. 
And he wants to sing, Just Go Boo. So let's look at the last part of this passage. What should our response be to persecution? Verse 26, have no fear. Verse 28, do not fear. Verse 31, do not be afraid. So the first thing I propose is that we should not fear. Persecution can happen, may happen, will happen, is happening. And Jesus says, do not fear. The second thing Jesus says, acknowledge me. Verse 32, acknowledge me. Everyone who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. We have a choice, acknowledge or deny. It's not necessarily an easy choice. There are eternal consequences. So the third thing Jesus proposes, have an eternal perspective. Jesus is worried about our soul. Have an eternal perspective. Love Jesus more than anything else. Verse 39, more than family, more than money, more than power. Love Jesus more than anything else. Those who lose their life for Jesus' sake will find it. And the fourth thing in verse 22 is persevere. The one who perseveres to the end, the one who endures to the end, will be saved. So, I, I don't know if you're tired. Uh, it, we've been trying to get cut, caught up on things that are happening in America. Um, we're trying not to mention that thing that's going around. I'm a doctor. It comes up. Maybe you're tired from that. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe this last election cycle did you in. And you're wondering, where is Jesus and where is hope? Um, I turn frequently to Galatians 6.9. Do not become weary in doing good. Do not become weary in doing good, church. For we will reap a harvest at the proper time if we do not give up. Persecution is not abnormal. It happens. Don't fear. Acknowledge Jesus. Have an eternal perspective. And persevere. I love, I love how involved you are. I love your activities. Operation Christmas Child, I will, uh, I'm not an official spokesperson, but they come to Chad. And I've delivered those boxes with my car. I've be, I have pictures of us in the village handing out these boxes. And it is amazing. Uh, so I'm excited that you're doing that. that. That is a good thing. And if you're involved in it, uh, good for you. Um, Pray. Pray for the persecuted church. Pray for our brothers and sisters who are persecuted for their faith right now. Some in chains. Um, before we left Chad, there was a group of believers from a Muslim background. They were gathering. Uh, someone ratted them out. They were arrested. One of them was killed. Uh, even in Chad, that is happening today. Uh, we need to pray for the persecuted church. We need to know about them. We need to know that our brothers and sisters are suffering for Jesus. And not be shocked by it. The promise is eternal life. Persecution is normal and produces perseverance. The one who perseveres to the end will be saved. Hallelujah. Amen.
Otina, would you come up? What a great word from Scripture, amen? Words of Jesus that comfort us, but also warn us to know on what we stand on is firm if it's Christ. If not, we would be in trouble. We want to take a moment and pray for you guys. We're excited to have you here, excited to hear how the Lord is doing things. And I remember four or five years ago when I was there at the conference, they were mentioning that they were sending people out to different areas where Africans are at. And they even mentioned Wisconsin. We prayed. Little did we know we are praying for Otieno, who is here because of the Somali population. So instead of me praying, I want you to pray over them. And uh, just what a privilege we have to have them as friends. And every time I see you, I'm so grateful. I remember when I left Chad, I was in the big bus, and all the smells, all the chaos going on. I'm thinking, are we going to make it home? And I remember looking at you. You turned and walked away. And I started to weep thinking, will I ever see him again? Because I know that he's in an area that's tough. So we want to pray. And I'm excited to have you here and have Tony here. Adopted kids are the best looking kids. We are the best. You can argue that later. But all right, let's, Otina, would you pray over them and join us in prayer? Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for calling this family to serve you in this tough country of Chad. And Father, as we heard of what you are doing, Father, we rejoice with them. We rejoice with our brothers and sisters. And Father, as we pray for the, those who are suffering, those who are being persecuted for, for their faith in you, especially those from the Muslim background, Father, our hearts reach out for them. And as I've heard this morning, we pray that, Lord, you would help them persevere to the end. And Father, thank you for the work that the Robertsons are doing in Chad in the medical field and in education with Africa Inland Missions. Father, we pray that you would be honored that, Father, as they go back in January, if things work out for them, to be able to go back on time. Father, that you'd provide housing for them and that, Father, you'd just continue multiplying their ministry and that more and more people would be able to see the beauty of Jesus Christ through their ministry. Thank you so much for their travels in the next few months as they celebrate um, Thanksgiving with their son in Ohio and even as they celebrate Christmas together here in the States before going back to, to Chad. Father, we pray that, Lord, you would just continue blessing them. Father, we can never thank you enough for the work that they are doing for you as they sacrifice and uh, leave the uh, the comfort and go out to the suffering that you've called them to do in that country. And Father, thank you for the good times that they've had there and also for the difficult times. And we commit them and commend them to your hands that, Lord, you would just walk with them, guide them, and just reassure them of your presence and the love that we as Maranatha have for them and the support that we continue supporting them. Thank you again for our brothers and sisters, and we just worship you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you'd stand as we have closing songs with our worship with song.
Amen. You may be seated. Amen. All right, this time I'm going to have Eric come up and share with us. What I have to share with you this morning is, will likely come as a surprise to many of you. And I'm feeling much sadness this morning as I share this with you. For my own emotional and mental health, and as well as for the sake of my family, I have come to the decision that I must resign from serving as a pastor here at Maranatha. This has been one of the most difficult decisions that I have ever made. And throughout the time that I was discerning this together with Kate, I have felt very conflicted. Over the four and a half years that I've been here, I've come to love so many of you in this church, and I feel very sad to be leaving. I've enjoyed many aspects of my work as a pastor here amongst you, especially getting to know so many of you on a personal level and being inspired by the ways that you serve others in this church and in our community with the gifts that God has entrusted you. And yet I have struggled to be healthy serving as a pastor, and at times I have felt overwhelmed and depressed. It has become clear to me that some aspects of pastoral ministry are not a good fit for me personally. I've found myself often needing to operate outside of my strengths the strain and stress that I've been experiencing has not only affected myself, but also my family. And it has become increasingly clear to me that I must step down in order to cherish my wife and to give the love and care that our children deserve. The Lord has given me a love for ministry and for his people, but at this time I do believe I need to step down and take time to discern what that looks like for me given the way that he has created me. This is not a decision that I've come to quickly. As I've been in the discernment process, my wife has been at my side. She's been incredibly patient, has spoken much wisdom, and I am so blessed to have her as my companion. Each of the other pastors have been with me through this and have listened, have prayed, and encouraged me numerous times, and their support has been an invaluable help to me, and it has been an honor to serve with them in ministry. Last spring, when I shared this with elders that I was struggling, they were also quick to respond with support. One of the reasons I've felt so conflicted in, in making this decision is that I see many reasons to be hopeful for the future of Maranatha. From my perspective, the Lord is bringing unity, healing, and clarified vision amongst the pastors and elders. I am genuinely excited for the future of this church and stand in unity with the leadership. I do not want anyone, whether you are hearing this now or whether they may hear this secondhand, to misunderstand or misinterpret my reason for leaving. I want to make very clear that my reason for leaving is not because of anyone amongst the leadership of this church. 
I am making this decision for my health and for the well-being of my family. As I've shared this decision with the staff and elders, I have felt genuine care and support from each person. I'm grateful that I will not be leaving with broken relationships. My last Sunday will be um, December 19th, the Sunday before Christmas. And it is my desire to finish well here. And I'll be doing all that I can to help the ministries that I've been involved with to be well positioned for the future. I'll be taking the next season of life to focus on regaining my health and building our family. We will be relocating to Cleveland, Ohio um, to be near Kate's parents and siblings. We're planning to transition there in early January. Kate and I feel really sad to be leaving this wonderful church family. We are grateful for the outpouring of love and generosity you have shown to us, as well as to Anders and Alethea throughout our season here at Maranatha. And I am grateful for the opportunity that the Lord has given me to be here with you as one of your pastors. I hope that I will be able to connect with you throughout my time remaining here and I welcome further conversation with you if you would like to talk with me about this. Brother, we love you. Yeah, so I want to have the elders and pastors come up, and if your wife is able to join you, we want to pray over Eric. We want to thank the Lord for the ministry that he has done. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for the ministry the Lord And I also want to thank Eric for being bold. This is hard. I want to thank you for being bold to say, you know what? I need to take care of my family right now. And that is a huge step that we agree. All of us agree with you that this is the right thing. It's a hard thing. We've been praying for you, and we will continue to pray for you. In fact, I want to just read this passage here out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Just two verses here. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness and in insults and in hardships and persecution and difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Join us in prayer as we pray for Eric and his family, and we thank the Lord for the great gift of the Hill family to us. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you so much for how you have designed Eric to be a part of our church for this season that we've been in. You have equipped him to do so many things, caring for families, being that listening ear, being the man of compassion loving and caring for many of us. Many of us in this room are at great loss because of the influence he has had in our lives. And Lord, we thank you for Kate, who has been so supportive, loving, caring, raising two children. They were both born here. Just what an amazing woman of God. 
You've used their marriage, their lives to impact and shape our marriage and lives. And Lord, I'm so grateful for Eric that he is bold enough to say, I need to take time for myself and for my family. Lord, for the past few years, he has struggled, and we have, as a church, come alongside, leadership have come alongside him and, and cared in a variety of ways, and now we all agree that, yep, this is the best thing for Eric, for his wife, and his two little ones. Lord, you give the church gifts, and some of those gifts are pastors, and you have truly given us a great gift. So we, as a church, have joy, but also a bit of sorrow as we see him pack up and go someplace. But we will pray that you fill him, that you remind him how good you are, God, and that you will sustain him through this. We, as church leadership, love him. We continue to pray for him, and we as a church family, those sitting down in the the congregation, we love him and will continue to pray for him. May you continue to fix his eyes, fix Kate's eyes on you, Jesus. You are the author of our faith, and you are so good to us. So, Lord, in sorrow but in joy, we thank you for the gift of Eric, and we send him on for the next stage of life and ministry and healing, we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And we all said, amen. amen. Let's thank the Lord for Eric and his ministry here. Amen. amen. Well, we will definitely be having some kind of party before he leaves and uh, just celebrating the Lord and what the Lord has done through his His servant here, and we'll let you know about that as that comes. And as you're dismissed, we'll have a song playing, but uh, we have the missionaries. They're going to be, could you guys get there quick? Because some people, they try to beat me out of here, but I'm going to slow it down. I'm, I'm pretty good at that, but we got some speedsters here, and uh, we have some fellowship time, so let's uh, thank the Lord for all he's done, and thank the Lord for his goodness. So thanks for worshiping with us. God bless you. Have an awesome week. See you next week.